0: Hello and welcome to the Yosemite Area Creatives Podcast. My name is Tom Schiavon and I'm recording from Yosemite Cowork in Oakhurst, California. I'll be your host as we yak with artists and artisans from the picturesque Sierra Mountains surrounding Yosemite National Park. Little Tiger has been one of my favorite chats so far. I met Adam Burns when I walked into the Mariposa Arts Council office and rather clumsily announced to Adam and Clay that I was starting a podcast about local artists. They were kind, gracious, and supportive, even though I had zero credibility or credentials in podcasting. Adam mentioned after our initial conversation that he was part of a synth pop band named Little Tiger. He sent me a link to their music, and I haven't stopped listening to it since. Of course, I was immediately interested in interviewing them. Sitting down with Adam and his bandmate, Alex Vance, was even better than I anticipated. It was really fun recording from their studio, and I was overwhelmed by their generosity and openness. I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. So we're chatting with the synth pop band named Little Tiger. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? We've got Adam Burns and Alex Vance. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about the origin of the, the band?
1: Yeah, well, I'd say we really started um, back in 2016. We both, I think, had various creative projects and had played around with with different sort of one-off things together before that. But we, um, I think, kind of gelled with the idea of, of being an actual band around 2016. Um, and I think we were talking about it earlier. I'd forgotten that we watched the punk singer, and that was kind of the catalyst that made us feel like, "Oh yeah, like we should actually do something with this."
2: Yeah, it was. Yeah, the punk singer, the story of Kathleen Hanna from Bikini Kill, the Tigre. Uh Yeah, that punk DIY attitude really resonated with us. And actually, it's it's nice that we're we're actually recording this podcast in our basement studio because. This was kind of where it all started because there was a bass guitar hanging in that corner and we were just chatting and Alex picked up this bass and started playing something and I got on the drum kit and started playing something along and we're like, oh, that was fun. And then it happened again the next day and then the next day and it's like, well, now we have three songs. We're kind of a band. (laughs) So (laughs) it was, yeah, organic and accidental and glorious. You were halfway to an LP in just a few days. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> we were halfway, halfway to, to something. Our first. Yeah, I think that the next step was like, well, let's open for a band. Let's get a 30-minute set together and open for a band. And we did that, you know. And, yeah, and then it's just sort of kept going from there, really.
0: Yeah, yeah so we are in the studio, and... I don't have any video, so I'll have to describe it. There's some really amazing lights up in the corners. Mm-hmm. There is a disco ball, <laughs> as is necessary in any studio, um, and a pretty epic neon little mm-hmm. tiger sign uh, behind me. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm definitely digging the vibe. And guitars everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And drums. It's, it, there's a lot of chords. And, yes. Uh, it's, it's really fun. Um, yeah, so the that... That movie was amazing. Like I watched that, and I was just—I think my wife was out of town, and it was like eleven o'clock at night. And I saw, oh, the punk singer. I'll watch this. I don't even know what it was about, and it was just really uh, great. I ended up at the end of the movie. I bought one of those T-shirts for Togo Mm -hmm. things that she has. Like she does art, um, and every shirt that you buy uh, puts a kid through school for a year Mm -hmm. in Togo. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So of course I went with the Ad Rock one. (laughs) Nice. Um, her band, well, obviously Bikini Kill uh, was a very, uh, you know, feminist forward, if that's even mm-hmm. a, a description uh, band. Letigre Tigre um, was a little bit less gritty and edgy, mm-hmm. um, a little bit more polished synth pop, uh, but also very overtly feminist lyrics. And so your first album, Miscommunication, um I felt like had a lot of those, there was a very close connection to the punk um, on some songs. Others were pretty synth heavy. Um, There was a lot of kind of playfulness there, Uh, but she would deal with a lot of the inequity between uh, genders. Um, But it sounds like a lot of your lyrics will deal with that in some of the songs, but then also the, there's a lot of depth there and understanding, I think of the complex motives between uh in relationships can you describe the music generation part and then also how the lyrics come about
2: i can have a bash at the musical part maybe you can have a bash at the lyrical part that sounds good i think musically we started with this sort of bass drums shouty vocal jam and that was our thing for a while i think we During the pandemic, we had a lot more time to practice. We're also married, we live together. So it's, yeah, band practice is always just a few steps away. (laughs) Uh, I think that sort of more aggressive sound, we just sort of did it for what it was worth and then we, that sort of ran its course and we tried other things. And um, I've always played with synthesizers in the manner that many guitar players play with synthesizers and we switch it on and we pick a preset and we press a key and it makes a cool sound. And then after five minutes, we stop. (laughs) I couldn't figure out how to use that musically. And then I saw a documentary on YouTube called Synth Britannia, which was about the early electronic movement in Britain, starting with Cabaret Voltaire and his very experimental stuff through Gary Newman, the Human League, Depeche Mode, and those sort of bands, and I really just started um, really getting into that electronic music. And something that's always been a challenge for for all duos is how do we, what do two people do that sounds like something? and there's obviously many, many different ways to do that. The duo is in some ways the most liberating ensemble because you have the ultimate flexibility. But 90% of the reason I make music is to interact with other people. Playing solo is really doesn't have a lot of that appeal for me. So for us, it's always been figuring out how we make the most amount of sound with two people. And once we broke out the synthesizers, uh, it it opened up the soundscape, which I think emotionally opened up um minds lyrically as well. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, I think so. And in the other thing I think, you know, f- for me, lyrically through that progression, you know, one of the things that I love about Kathleen Hanna is she's just this incredible, powerful little package of joy and defiance and anger and vulnerability. And, um, you know, I think at the time, you know, as we talk about kind of our process, I tend to be a little heavier on the lyric writing side. And for me, you know, as a genderqueer person, um, early in that sort of journey for me is when we first started Little Tiger. So, you know, one of the things I think that was coming out in those early things for me was just kind of starting to identify the box that I was being put in based on gender and kind of starting with a hammer to break out of there. Um, but I think, you know, over the course of the years of, you know, the evolution of us as a band too, for me, lyrically, think it, things get more nuanced as you kind of explore those systems and see what they mean. And when you start to step outside of that structure of gender, it starts to make you look at relationships and how you relate to other people. So I think that's also some of the, some of the evolution that you hear lyrically too.
0: Yeah. There's some, there's some great lyrics in miscommunication. Um, you know, in inside out, I really loved, I'd rather feel pain than forget how it feels. Um, I love that just staying with that, the pain, even though it's painful, right? Like that's, it's easier to just turn that off. Right. And, self-medicate through whatever right it could be video games or (laughs) drugs or you know whatever you do to kind of like you know turn off the voices in your head um but to be able to stay with that um is pretty cool so it sounds like there was a lot of discovery and and growth uh that was happening i also loved in crush um i still i'm still pretty i just have some scars and (laughs) coming to terms um you know with your own brokenness I know a lot of these lyrics resonate with me just where I am in my own personal journey. Maybe just we'll stay on that um, album for a little bit um, longer. All right. So let's talk about the song glass house. And I really liked that there was some, uh, almost equal opportunity, uh, criticism there, um, in our current climate politically and just socially in the United States, uh, specifically there's, um, a lot of entrenchment and uh, you know, kind of demonizing the other side. So um, maybe just talk a little bit about the song and and what it meant to you, and maybe how you feel a couple of years later.
1: Yeah, thanks for that. Um, you know, for that song particularly, um, I was very much feeling at the time a lot of frustration with um, kind of both sides of of our entrenched binary political system Um, and I think was really really struggling with how we were so stuck and we weren't moving at all and I think where I am now with that is um, having spent a lot more time just thinking about how those binary systems are really false it's just not natural it's not real Um, those really keep us apart and and I really think the way forward for us um, I think in in our rural communities and as a country too, is to step away from those polar ends and just walk towards each other and see each other as human beings and have conversations and take off those political ideologies and just talk to each other as people. Um, So I think my, my thinking is, I think just progress further along those lines of just really seeing that that system just is not working for us and it's not serving us.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess as people, I won't reveal any ages, um, but as people (laughs) who are, can remember a time when social media didn't exist, um, and maybe who had MySpace pages, uh, which Mm -hmm. that was a thing. um, You know, I think social media has made it easier to connect with people that you wouldn't have normally connected with, uh, maybe in your own communities having all that information in front of us and having it sometimes with algorithms meant to like, give us exactly what we already like and not what the other person is saying. That it can be a challenge sometimes to have those, um, honest discussions between human beings, um, without, um, picking a side, or maybe I should say we all have our side, right. But we fighting for our side in a way that like, there's no room for learning or growth or dialogue. Mm.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. It can be really difficult when the people you're also allied with um, do things that (laughs) you don't agree with, Um, (laughs) you know, and, you know, you can like really like somebody and then you'll see some headline like, well, that was like the stupidest thing in the world. Why would you say that? Why would you do that? Right? Like, um, so it's hard when even the people that you feel like you should be allied with sometimes make you feel more isolated and alone in the world
1: absolutely true yes it's happening on both sides for sure
0: yeah yeah. some of the other songs um i loved and stand up um as i'm going through my own as i kind of touched on you know personal growth journey um that idea of in a relationship taking back agency for yourself um but also realizing that the other person has to do that as well right they have to take responsibility for their own actions and and um and have some personal growth also that and that's such a challenge i think in relationships there's a lot of risk and vulnerability there Mm -hmm. Um, and then you go in another direction right like this that um was just a fun song right it's like (laughs) not what I expected. All right. There's like the sensual passion for like an unexpected and atypical adventure (laughs) and like this disordered and disordered and unreciprocated desires that, and emotional attachments that come out of it. So, um, there's a lot of messiness in relationships. I think I first discovered that in literature in Raymond Carver, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, just really short stories that didn't have any resolution. Right. It was like people that I knew, it was a lot more like the life that I had growing up, hmm. where there was just stuff happening and it didn't tie up at the end. And it's just like people like lived like broken lives for them, right. Like <laughs> right. super depressing, but like, <laughs> like oh yeah, that, that makes sense. It wasn't like uh, you know, the 1950s movies, right? Like everything gets wrapped up at the end and mm-hmm. um there's a, a lot of play in the lyrics and even sometimes the tone of how you say a lyric shows that there's like a little bit of a self-conscious joke in it. Um, I want to get Adam a little bit more involved here also. Mm. Um, I feel like you sang a lot more in the first
1: album. Oh,
2: I may have done. Yeah. I know I had at least one song on there that I sang lead on. It's one of um, my
1: favorite songs on there. <laughs> the kind of Girl is one of my favorites.
2: Yeah. I think that for, I mean, in a way that first album was like, I think we felt like sort of plucky amateurs at that point. It felt like we were getting away with something, honestly, like, because we were actually getting shows. Like, we're like, oh, wow, people actually, (laughs) like, what started as this thing in our basement, like, people were saying, when are you playing again? So it's like, okay, I guess we're doing this. So that was, yeah. Um, My singing on there yeah i can't remember why i was i think that song i'd written for kind of another thing and then you were like i really like that let's do that mm-hmm. it was an easy thing to pull together um and how has yeah. that worked
0: as far as the songwriting between
2: you guys so there's
0: obviously they're very personal lyrics there's a lot of personal growth um you guys are married yeah. right like i'm yeah. sure there's some times where you can bring lyrics that are like oh, is that going to work like what's the the mm-hmm. or like Am I kind of accusing them of something? I would, I would assume <laughs> that that would be in my head. I'm like, eh, this is kind of risky. Um, but how does that songwriting process go between you guys? Has it changed over time, or um,
2: um, I can talk about that a little bit. I guess. Yeah, to, um, it's changed a little. I would say actually, though, I sing less on the second album. I wrote more of the lyrics on the second album. I think you wrote pretty much all the lyrics on the first album. The second one was some songs that I'd written. There was a project actually in between these two called Burnsy, which was me trying to do everything on my own. Um, My band, I was coming out of a breakup, my band broke up, and I was like, (laughs) I don't need anyone. I can do this electronic band all by myself, and that turned out not to be true. I actually recruited Alex to play synth with me. but that was a really productive songwriting time. We had all these like, yeah, new wave synthesizer songs. And so a lot of those came into that second album. I would say generally the way that writing goes is I come down here and play with this stuff, and I'm gesturing mm-hmm. towards various wires and synthesizers and <laughs> things here. Um and I'm a you mentioned play earlier, and I'm a huge believer in play. Like if I if you tell me I've got an hour and I have to come in here and write a song, I'm not going to be able to do anything. But if you tell me uh, we'd we go out in an hour, but you get to go play, then I'll come down here and hours will go by. Um, and it's kind of monkey with a typewriter, honestly. Like I twiddle knobs and press things, and eventually something comes out that I just love and I'll record that, take it to Alex. What do you think about this? And Alex is either like, oh, I love that too, or that doesn't resonate with me. And so we have those. Um, yeah, those sort of ideas. Uh, technology is huge here because I can upload those to uh, Dropbox and we have a shared Dropbox. So Alex will go through and even music that I've completely forgotten I created. Alex, is like, you made this three weeks ago. Like, what do you think of it? I'm like, oh, yeah, that's actually pretty good. I'm like, oh, you like that? I don't like that. I made it and I don't like it. Um,
1: and I'll say, tough because I just wrote. A lot of lyrics so we're gonna we're gonna try it
2: which brings us up to stage two where alex (laughs) takes out the laptop and starts writing
1: words yeah like i'll i'll usually wander down after kind of one of those play sessions and and adam will say okay i've got i've got these riffs and i've got um these beats and um i'll say ooh, i like that that and that and we'll record that go upstairs and um adam will continue to play and write more riffs and more beats and um I'll just sit down and write, um, usually about seven pages of writing, um, very dense writing, uh, in dense that poetry. That sounds like a Tarantino song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then I winnow it down to like two pages. Um, and then I'll wander back down and, um, and we'll loop that out and we'll play those riffs, kind of expand on things a little bit and I'll just kind of try singing things over that. And, um you know we'll grab the things we like and then um we'll get it down to like one page and um and then eventually I have to just hand Adam the lyric sheet and say I need you to help me and so gets out the red pen That's and nice. um yeah and then things um things kind of come together usually pretty quickly like those are my favorite songs honestly are the ones that they've come together in a matter of hours um yeah. but there are other ones that have been hanging around for years and like we eventually wrestle it to the ground and try all these different things. And then finally we find the right, the right way to play it and the right way to present it. And sometimes those become favorites, but those are harder. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes like with relationships, I'm sure with songs also timing is the thing, right. And sometimes just the right things come together at the right time. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's interesting when you were talking about this coming down and, uh, to use your own words, monkey at a typewriter, um, <laughs> you know, and it sounds like there's also a lot of experimentation, right. And kind of working it out real time. Um, so is that something you think you had to learn of like, not judging yourself in the process of creating the music?
2: Yeah. You have to learn to not self edit. And that's the hardest thing. Like every step of a that- Daily lives, we're thinking like, oh, should I say that? Like right now, I'm imagining people listening to this podcast and I'm thinking about what I'm saying. If I'm creating a song, I can't be doing that. That is absolutely destructive to my creative process to think about what someone will think about what I'm doing. Or um so switching that off takes time. It's kind of like when you go on vacation the first couple of days, you're still thinking about your email. And then by day three, you're like, oh yeah, you yeah. have to every time we go to create, we have to go through that process. And you get better at doing it, I think. but um, And also, there's not really a roadmap for the kind of music we make. So when I was in a more traditional rock band, I come up with a chord sequence and I sing a melody. The bass player's like, I know what to do. I'm going to play the root notes and do this. Drummer's like, oh, it's in 6-8. I'm going to do this. And then someone else will sing a vocal harmony. And there's a roadmap for that. Mm-hmm. We all know how a rock song works. For a duo with with electronic instruments, the the world is our oyster. We have endless possibilities. So we have to decide where the boundaries are. (laughs) And we're like, well, we could do this or like, what about is that even good? Like it's making this weird noise, but I like it. You like it. You don't like it. Okay. never mind. (laughs) So there's, yeah. um, I think that's exciting to us, but I think sometimes that can be really hard as well. Just like, this doesn't sound good. And I have no idea why. If I'm in a and I have enough music theory to know if I'm playing a guitar with someone like, oh, this doesn't sound good because you're playing the same notes as me and we need to – I get that in this world. I get – yeah, sometimes it takes us a while to really figure out what's going on.
0: Yeah, I guess like when you're Metallica, right? Like right. there's there's a, a range of things that you can do, but it's yeah. a pretty – you know, you've got your Metallica sound, right? Right, And I've rather unsuccessfully tried to do um, electronic music myself. Hmm. And you get there and you're like, there's like pages and pages, right? Of (laughs) things that you could do, right? Like, where do I even start, right? And I guess that's why just messing around.
2: Yeah. And I think as well for us, like putting restrictions on ourselves, like in the Bernsey project, we decided we were not going to use any digital instruments. They were all analog synthesizers, which <laughs> meant that there were no presets. We had to reprogram the synth for every song. And we had to kind of do it while the audience was watching us, kind of making these. And then we discovered we live in California, we went to play a music festival where it was very hot and the synths all went out of tune. <laughs> <laughs> we so like literally like get around the back with a screwdriver and shoot know so we've we've allowed ourselves some digital technology to kind of solve that problem but yeah we we have certain sounds that we use and we um we we try to give ourselves some sidewalls of like okay these are these are the the set of sounds or the kind of thing that we're going to do and that that helps yeah so then um
0: moving on to the the newer album How did that, so I guess maybe at what point did you say something like, oh, we should keep doing this, right? Like when did it become like, oh, we just did that once as a one project, like, Mm -hmm. oh, we're going to keep going on with this and maybe change it a little bit and grow.
1: Uh, I mean, I I think a really critical moment of that, I mean, it was I think we recognized we needed to move on to something a little more developed, um, but we weren't sure what that was yet. So I decided I was gonna learn to play guitar, which is not, key, keys and piano is my kind of, my, you know, more experienced instrument for me. So um, I locked myself upstairs and was working on that project. And I think you were you were wanting to work on keys down here.
2: I was trying to play keys and you so, were trying to play guitar.
1: Yeah, which is, yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's the opposite of what How could it actually- go how could it possibly go wrong? <laughs> yeah. um, so there was a, I think Adam came upstairs and I was also trying to record while I learned which was really challenging and um I was just miserable and Adam was like, "You know, why don't you just come downstairs and let's just let's just play around." And I got on keys and started singing and Adam started playing guitar and lo and behold it all went really, really well. And we <laughs> said, You know, we could we could do something really good if we bring our, you know, our strongest strengths and talents to this project. So, um, I think that was kind of the point. And it was, again, playing around. I think when we were working hard and it wasn't fun, it didn't work. And when we came to the basement and just played around, no pressure, I think we even probably wrote a song that, you know, yeah. That first session, and it just was easy and it was fun and it was joyful. So, yeah. that for me is what I think of. I don't know if you're I agree. And
2: I think we have a DJ friend, Johnny, who does DJ nights at the Grove House called the Range of Light Record Club, where he shows up with an eclectic record collection and he sells some of them, but he plays records and he's like, Oh, I think you might like this. It's the ultimate, like, vinyl vinyl and wine experience. It's great. Uh, And he brought over this album called The Minimal Wave Tapes, which is all these like undiscovered bedroom electronic music artists from the 80s. And it's very minimal. It's a drum machine, a bass synth, a lead synth and a vocal. And even the lyrics are usually just a few like haiku or something. And he played this and we were just like, oh, we can do this tomorrow. Like, and not that it's easy, it's easy to do, but it's really hard to get good at, you know, because you've, you're, uh, and I think that limitation was what sparked us as well. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, if we just like, we can do this. And same as, you know, I try to do for young people when I'm teaching the music is show them like what's possible. That Johnny, by playing as that record, showed us something that we could do as a duo that satisfied us artistically. Like, this sounds good. And mm-hmm. we just did that with just the two of us. So.
0: Yeah, I guess like in English, right? It's kind of like the sonnet, which, Mm. you know, we're so used to now, like rules are bad, right? Mm -hmm. Like anything Mm -hmm. that restricts you is bad. But then like you've got the sonnet and it's got a very defined structure, Mm -hmm. um, but can really force you to make uh, decisions that work really well, but are a little bit harder. Sitting with that discomfort, maybe a little bit longer to like, how do I make this work? Right? Like, how do I stay within kind of a stripped down structure, um, but still create the sound that um that really works.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: On some of the the earlier work, I think, you know, there'd be very punk like drum beats. Mm. And so I'd be like, oh okay, that's cool. And then I would listen to the guitar mm. and I would swear that the guitar could have come from like a a fifties <laughs> like pop song right like a buddy holly song or right something. and it was a little like dissonant but it worked really well and i was like oh that's kind of a cool way to do that so how it almost sounded like a really clean rickenbacker type mm-hmm. sound so um so how would you like what was the thought in like bringing like a really punk drum beat with like together with like a really like kind of retro guitar mm-hmm. approach
2: we we love juxtapositions like I think, you know, although we had that punk attitude, we never really did anything that was just like, like really Mm -hmm. all out punk. It was always like punky, but electronic or punk and rockabilly, you know, it was, yeah.
1: It was hard to, it was always, that was always the question I dreaded with the first album. What, so what genre is your music? Because it was really hard to describe. I think, I think that's, we've gotten to more clarity now.
2: We have. And I think that's something all bands struggle with, but especially in the indie rock world. You know, nobody wants to label themselves. So nobody yeah. wants to give a genre. <laughs> and no one wants to play in one genre. Like, you know, if you made me pick a genre for the rest of my life, like, um no interest in that.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Kathleen Hannah, her early shows, she would often play in her underwear. Right. So maybe not going full <laughs> punk was probably, yeah. you know, just – Better for the, you know, the atmosphere at the shows. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, you're Post, on the stage... Mariposa
1: you in your underwear, not... Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: When you're up on the stage, That's you're supposed to be thinking popular. about the other people in their underwear. Not making them less nervous. Yeah, I think uh, getting it backwards um, doesn't really work. All right, Adam, so, you know, some of those lyrics um, are really, you know, kind of thoughtful. It's not the typical... Um, it's synth pop, but they're very thoughtful, deep, nuanced lyrics. What is it that you would like to do? Not just with the music; the music is great, at, you know, by itself, just the instrumental part of it. Uh, but the lyrics, you know, what's something that you would hope that socially, you're, the band would be able to convey?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think, as people for whom binary gender does not serve us. I I think it, it can be a challenge, as pe- both of us are gender non-conforming people, and we don't see ourselves necessarily in a lot of art that surround us. So if you're not seeing yourself, you have the option to just complain about it, uh, or do something about it. And I think the fact that we are making music about human relationships that are outside the binary gender that feels cathartic to us and hopefully it brings some hope and joy to other people who feel the same for them to hear that i was i taught guitar for 12 years i listened to a lot of 70s rock <laughs> and i did not <laughs> hear my attitudes to gender or sexuality expressed in those songs.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's <Gene, laughs> the kindest way to say it. Gene Simmons uh, <laughs> was definitely, you know, kind of on a a very um dedicated road, which way he was <laughs> yes. where he was.
2: And good for him. He he was very clear in his direction and he pursued it. Um so I think Indie music in general, and I know that is an almost unhelpfully vague genre description, but indie music, whether it be the Brit pop of the 90s or the alternative electronic music of the 80s or the independent music we're seeing now coming out of people's bedrooms and open mics across the country has always been music for misfits. And that's something that we've totally embraced: is that we want to make music so that those people out there that feel like a little awkward just in mainstream society can hear and uh, gain some comfort from and feel celebrated and seen. And I don't need every song to be about me, but having a song every now and again that I can relate to is really is meaningful to me. And, and we want to create that for others. Uh, and we feel successful in that because people have without prompting for us have directly said thank you for saying something um more nuanced about human relationships um outside of the mainstream and uh yeah that's something we're proud of and that's something we'd love to continue to do
0: yeah it seems like you know i think there's a few things there you know i think one thing representation does matter um and i think you know, when you live in a, a more monolithic culture, there's a lot of people who just um, have learned, ha- have seen somebody who is maybe a trailblazer in their field. The fact that somebody can, somebody who contributes to society and creates art and has put themselves out there and made you know the world a better place for all of us by creating that art for them to have seen somebody that looked like them and that gave them the confidence to pursue it, I think is why, um, things like Rep- representation matters is, yeah. um, a slogan that we should probably all, it's, is an idea that we should all try to embody, um, as the culture change changes and we can't change that the culture is changing, mm-hmm. um, to be able to live together a little bit more, um, peacefully and to love each other more and to give, um, more to each other, I think will help, uh, just society as a whole and a lot less, uh, physical and verbal violence Mm -hmm. towards Mm -hmm. each other. So you guys are playing out soon, Mm -hmm. correct? Mm -hmm. So maybe talk a little bit about some of those shows.
1: Yeah, we've got, um, a couple of shows coming up, uh, Saturday, April 8th, we're going to be um, opening for some bands at The Partisan in Merced, which is a great venue. Um really excited about that. Um, we played a uh, show last year at uh, Merced Pride and uh, really enjoyed connecting with people there and went to The Partisan afterwards and just really great crowd. So we're excited about that show. Um, Friday, April 28th, we'll be here at The Grove House, which is... Um, a wonderful venue. Um, so looking forward to that. Uh, we also have scheduled a show Saturday, July eighth, at Music on the Green here in Mariposa, um, and we'll be adding more dates to the calendar soon. Um, our website's a great place to find that. But um, those are kind of our upcoming shows so far.
0: And the website is
1: Uh LittleTiger. Ooh, dot band.
0: Mm-hmm. I like that. That's a fun twist. That's it's a good makes one. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. <laughs>
1: If people want to hear our music, if they're not familiar with us, um, if they go to our website, uh, littletiger.band, they can find links to all of our social media. Um, we also, if you want to find us on Instagram or Facebook, we're at littletigerband, um, and we are streaming on all music platforms. So, um, and we even have a couple of videos out there. We're going to be doing some more of that, but, um. Yeah, just we would love for people to like us, follow us, and most of all, just come out and hear us play.
0: Thank you guys. And it's been wonderful talking to you. Thank yeah, you.
1: thank you.